The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky connections and kinky education. We're kinky done differently. What women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun discussion about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy, as well as an intimate discussion about how to connect with our own authentic self, with questions asked by a guy. And now, here is your host, John, or as we call him around here, hi there, catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, a show about how people connect with each other and themselves. I am John, also known as Hi There Catsuit, and on this edition, we visit with an explosive personality who has been in the ring, on the set, and in costume. Just parts of what makes this woman run on cruise control. For 13 years, Annie Cruz worked as an adult film star. In addition to working on the set, she's been a dating and lifestyle coach and even a pro wrestler. Now as a talk radio host on Sirius XM 415, wrestling podcast host, cosplayer and Twitch gamer, Annie is shining through as her genuine self. And most recently, she's returned to school to finish college and is studying psychology. So get ready for the amazing Annie Cruz on what women and other wonderful humans want. It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. It's time to put Annie Cruz to the first five, five questions about first. First time you ever set foot in a wrestling ring. <laughs> That depends on what type of wrestling, right? Oh, do because, tell. Because, you know, there's there's like grappling, you know, kind of like MMA style mm -hmm. fighting. And then you have pro wrestling, right? Mm -hmm. And so I would say the first time I set foot, and it wasn't even really a ring. It was more like a mat. Um, there's a company in San Francisco called kink.com and they had a website called Ultimate. They still have, I shouldn't say past tense. They have a website called ultimatesurrender.com. Um, and contrary to what a lot of people believe, they think that it's fake, but it is 100% not fake. It's literally real women uh, grappling for real. <laughs> a lot of girls that, that worked on the US, they, um, they do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. A lot of them study some form of martial arts. So a lot of those girls know how to fight. And I remember being approached to do it. And you know, I, God, this was probably 2006. Oh my goodness, a long time ago. So I, I was very, very, uh, I was a boxer before. Um, I guess that also, does that count as a ring? I guess that was the first time I set foot into an actual ring. And I did say wrestling But ring. you said wrestling. So, well, so at any rate, uh, 
before I set foot on the um, mats of Ultimate Surrender, I had uh, the only experience I had with any kind of combat sports was actual boxing. I used to actually train with, um, you know, Leila Ali, Muhammad Ali's mm-hmm. daughter. She had one of her former trainers who's actually from New York. He has a studio. I don't know if he still does, but he um, opened up a, a training facility out here in Los Angeles. And so I ended up um, training with him. So I did like two fights, I won, and then I quit <laughs> because, um, cause I, the, the person that I was uh, dating at the time, he, um, he kind of was scared for me and was like, you might want to reconsider, you know, like whether or not you want to get your face punched in. So I ended up quitting. It was something that I really enjoyed doing a lot. Um, but that was my only experience as far as like, uh, any kind of fighting is involved. So then fast forward, uh, like two, two or three years later, I ended up doing uh, ultimate surrender for the first time. And I thought, oh, this will be fun. You know, girls, the reason why people think it's fake, I probably should have prefaced everything that I said just now with this is that, um, the wrestling's for hundred percent real, the, the grappling, the fighting, the holds, all the submission holds and everything are all hundred percent real. The reason why people think it's fake is because there's a little sexual t- twist to it, right? Mm. Um, we're, we start off in bikinis and then to gain points in addition to submission holds and whatnot, um, you start taking off the other girl's piece of clothing while mm. still really fighting. So, um, and then at the end, of course, there's the even, you know, the, the more pornographic aspect of it where, you know, the loser gets, you know, the winner gets to do the loser basically essentially (laughs) so at that time I was very all I knew was boxing which is very different from wrestling Mm -hmm. so I was a loser a lot (laughs) (laughs) but um as I got older and um like we're talking like a decade after after I first set foot on there because this was back in 06 um it wasn't until probably 2015 that I finally decided to actually take it a little more seriously. And I had, I had like been MIA from that scene for like seven years. Cause I had quit. I was like, I suck mm-hmm. at this. I don't really know what I'm doing. It's fun to be a loser, but like, I wanted to actually go back into, if I was going to go back into it, I wanted to go back into it knowing what I'm doing. So what ended up happening was I ended up started training. I started training with people that knew Brazilian jiu-jitsu, for example, um, went to an MMA gym and learned how to do certain things. And then I decided I'm coming back and I made a comeback, <laughs> very brief comeback, um, but a comeback nonetheless. And uh, and I won, <laughs> I beat a girl that was six foot two. This woman was six Whoa. foot two. She wasn't even supposed to be my opponent because they have weight classes in Ultimate mm-hmm. Surrender. They have, you know, the featherweight and lightweight and yada, yada, yada. And, um, they re- I forgot what happened, but the original girl that I was supposed to wrestle, cause I ended up flying to the city that they do all of this. And, um, and the girl that I was really supposed to wrestle, something happened. I know that one time a girl, I don't think it was this one. One girl got into a car accident. They had to replace her, but I think this instance with the six foot two chick, something else happened and they ended up replacing her last minute to, so that my trip wasn't wasted with a girl who happens to be bigger than me. Mm. <laughs> and it's just so funny because when I annihilated her, um, I literally had to say size doesn't matter in the ring, <laughs> in the ring. Um, and, and it was a good time. It was fun. But then, um, you know, I retired from the business, uh, in 2016. So I haven't, I haven't done anything in, in that scene for a while, but it was a lot of fun. That was the first time I ever really set foot inside of a wrestling ring, I guess you could call it. Um, but then in 2010, an actual ring, I, um, I started performing in uh, pro style wrestling. Um, there's is a fetish for this, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's an absolute fetish for girls who fight 
like like they're in the WWE or something. Um, pro Style Fantasy, shout out to ProStyleFantasies.com. First of all, um, they're the ones that really got me into uh, into performing like that. It's a lot of fun. I was a heel for the entire run that I worked for the company. <laughs> Um, and yeah, we, we would do all these high flying stunts and, and whatnot. And it was a lot of fun for me. So I guess that was kind of like maybe the real first time that I set foot into a wrestling ring. So that was like 2010, but, um, it's been, it's been, it's, it's been a wild, wild last two decades, I guess, <laughs> as far as like, you know, me fighting and all sorts of types of fight. I've, I've even fought in an octagon before that mm. was, that's something I like to keep out of my memory bank because I lost. Oh, okay. <laughs> But it was still a fun experience nonetheless. So I have, I have some experience with different types of fighting, I guess. First time you realized you were a little bit different. Oh, um, okay, man. So, I mean, we're all different, right? We're all different. But I think for me, it kind of stemmed, there's two different instances. The first being when I was a child, because growing up, I was, I always felt, I mean, even as an adult, I, I like to take pride in the fact that I'm a self-proclaimed weirdo, right? Like we're all just a bunch of weirdos. I'm a weirdo. Um, but as a child, I was very, very shy, very quiet. I was bullied. Um, you know, I, I went to a school where I was, uh, there was very few minorities, <laughs> you know, I was like one of two Asian girls or Asian kids, excuse me, in, in my graduating class. Um, just to give you an idea, like a little perspective of like my environment, you know what I mean? So um, just ha just the different things that I experienced from being bullied, I think was where, where it first mm. made me realize, okay, am I just really that odd? <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, am I just that big of a weirdo? I knew that I was different. I, and the reason why I knew I was different is because I wish that I wasn't, you know, at the time anyways, I wished that I wasn't the way that I was, you know, just because, you know, when you're, when you're being treated a certain way by kids, it, you know, I, I feel like anybody that's been bullied could probably agree with this. You wish that you weren't the way that you were, mm -hmm. you know? So I feel like um, as a young child, that's when I first realized that I was different, but it wasn't until I actually became an adult and started to realize that a lot of my, my thinking and beliefs and whatnot are just so, so different from a lot of people. I mean, and it's also relative, right? Like if to, to say, when did I realize I was different compared to what, like to men maybe? Cause that, that's one example that I could use of me thinking or from other women, excuse me, different from other women. Like, you know, like, oh, it's, it's very easy to say, oh, I don't think like your average woman, right? And I feel like that kind of really opened up for me when I was in college. When I was in college, I kind of realized that, um, you know, when I was exposed more um, and been around um, other people, that's when I realized, oh, I don't really think similarly to like a lot of people here. You know, I was the weirdo down the hall. I went to a Catholic college. So I was the weirdo that was very open about um, the types of uh, <laughs> adult movies that she liked to watch. And I was also <laughs> very sexual, although, before before I went to college, I was not like that. I was the complete opposite. As I, as I said, I was very, very shy growing up. So when I went to college, a slight switch just kind of turned on, man. Like something just turned on, flip of a switch, and I just just became a whole different person. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you know, I, I've evolved over the years. Obviously, I'm 36 now. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I feel like, you know, it's just going to continue on of me just changing and, and, you know, all the ideals and whatnot that I've had. But I think I've always, I've always felt like, I guess in short, I've always felt like I've always been a little different even since, you know, I was a kid. 
first time you ever sat in front of a microphone to do a show and Ooh. your thoughts going into that? So I think the first time, my earliest memory of being in front of a mic and doing an interview for a show was probably uh, 2004. Um, and the reason why I remember <laughs> is because there was an internet, um, this is the, you know, obviously I'm saying 2004. So for anybody that's, that's listening to this podcast can probably understand what I mean. Um, you know, this is the time before podcasts. This is the time before iPhones even, you know what I mean? Smartphones and whatnot. This is a time before any of that, before satellite radio even. So um, there was uh, what, it, I, if I were to describe what this was in 04, it essentially was a podcast except with video, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So basically there was this, this company called KSEX Radio and it was all on the internet. There was video, there was also audio. And um, they kind of basically the the producers of the the network they basically kind of hired uh, different porn stars um, and people within the industry to kind of um, do their own show where they would talk about you know certain topics or whatever. And I remembered going on as a guest for um, I can't remember which show because there's so many different shows that I had, I had initially gone on as a guest and they liked me so much because I I talk so much. <laughs> <laughs> I can't shut up sometimes. They offered me my own show. So then um, I ended up having two shows on their network. The first one being, um, it was called DNA because my co-host, her name was Daphne. So it was like mm -hmm. Daphne and Annie. So they called it DNA with Daphne and Annie. And then um, eventually I took over a co-hosting gig for one of the other shows that ha that happened to have two Asian porn stars. Um, coincidentally, one of the hosts is now my best friend. <laughs> At the time, we just kind of knew each other. Um, Kaylani Lay. She was um, hosting this show called Me So Horny. And if I remember correctly, I think she was the one that left the show. And then I came in and replaced her or from what I remember anyways. Um, and so I kind of co-hosted that show and it was just pretty much, you know, talk about sex and basically the same thing I already do now on my radio show, mm -hmm. essentially. Um, and it was a lot of fun. Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, I mean, if you would have asked me, like, if if I would have been put in front of a mic, you know, like in high school or something, I think I might've, uh, or even more so junior high, I probably would freak out. But like I said, I don't know what it was when I went to college. I just somehow just kind of came out of my shell. And um, uh, I guess being in front of the mic, I don't even remember being nervous, to be honest. I feel like it was just one of those things like, okay, I'm gonna go in there and just talk and then kind of went in there. And then when I was offered my own show, I said, all right, let's do it. And I kind of liked, um, I don't know, it was, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> First time you ever stood on a porn set and said, there's life after porn. Ooh, that is a very good question, actually. You know, that's something that I would, this is a question that I would really have to like really dig deep and think about. Because I'll tell you right now, there have been probably at very least two instances where I felt this way. I couldn't tell you when, I just know that I've had them. Um, and probably, I, I wanna say the last time I had this feeling was just before I retired. I hate that word retired, by the way. It's like, I'm retired from the business. No, um, it was the first time I left the business and that was back in uh, like 2016. Um, I remembered, uh, I have a lot of friends that are still in the business, right? I have a lot of friends that are like seasoned veterans who have been in the business 
before my time. I started in the business just for reference for anyone listening was, was 20, 2003. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have friends that have, you know, like Nina Hartley, for example, um, Ginger Lynn, you know, legends from, you know, the eighties, man, nineties, um, that are still in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, um, and power to them. That's what we call lifers, right? They're, they're in it for life. It's something that they, um, they've just built this brand and they went in it and they're at the point where they're like, this is, this is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. And I give them massive props. Um, and then I have a couple of friends that would, and, and this is very common in the industry, at least in the 13 years that I was active in the business. Um, and I myself have been guilty of like, I'm going to take a short hiatus and then come back. Not so much making an announcement of retiring, like I'm quitting, like, which is very common, you know, very, very common for women in the business to um, say that they're retiring, make a big grand exit, you know, and then only to come back six months later because shit happens. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I know for a fact that one of my last scenes that I shot, I told myself, cause I had been, this is even before, I guess to answer your question, this is, this has happened even before being on a set. Mm-hmm. I've had thoughts before I turned 30 even, where I promised myself, okay, I need to have an end game. I need to be able to know what I'm going to pursue or have an idea of what I'm going to do with myself because I don't want to be doing this when I'm 50. And again, no hate for anybody that's still in it that is, but it was a personal thing for me, you know, because when I got into it, it, I I didn't have any intentions of turning it into a career. It kind of just happened on accident. Like Mm. I was just going to do it for a couple of months. This is fun. And then it just kind of exploded. And I was like, all right, I'm in it. I'm in it, man. But I knew before turning 30, I was like, I, I kind of tried to set a game plan for myself. Like, okay, I think uh, I want to, I want to quit by the time I'm 30 and then I'm going to have a game plan for what I'm going to do. And I technically kind of did it because I, um, I believe I quit when I was like 31, 31, almost 32. Like I wasn't 32 yet, but going to be 32. So I kind of kept to my plan kind of sort of, but I had always thought that and not because of any particular instance or any, anything that happened personally, it was just something that I've always had in my in the back of my mind. So not necessarily being on a set and thinking to myself, okay, you know, this is what I'm going to do. It was more so of a thing that I already kind of already knew, but I know for a fact that it, you know, based on your question that I I have been on a set before and, and thought to myself, like, you know, this is what's going to happen. This is going to be the, mm-hmm. the, the end game for me, you know? And now I'm back in school, so never too late. <laughs> Annie, first time you ever received an unsolicited dick pic in your reaction to it. Good Lord. You know, I honestly can't remember the <laughs> first time I received one. Um, I will say that I've, I get so many to the point where uh, my reaction is I want to make a coffee table book. <laughs> dedicated to all of them and literally just call it unsolicited dick pics, (laughs) you know, uh, curated by yours truly, because I literally get so many DM. I mean, knock on wood. I haven't lately, (laughs) Mm -hmm. probably because, uh, I think people are starting to realize I don't open any of my DM requests on, on Instagram. Cause that's usually where they get sent to, but I also will get them sent to my email, especially my radio show email. Mm. People that listen to my radio show, I don't know what it is. I think the majority of all of those dick pics that I get are on my radio show. I think because I'm very, very open and candid Mm -hmm. talking about sex that people just feel so comfortable that they're like, 
here you go. Um, but to kind of remember the first time ever, I can't remember the first time I got one, but I do know, um, rather than disgust, it was more of like, kind of like a surprise, <laughs> like, oh, okay. Um, but more recently in the current times, um, it's just funny to me because half the time people send them to me, it's because they want me to rate them. And I'm just like, ah, you know, uh, I have strap-ons that are bigger, so I don't know what else you want to tell you. <laughs> so, it's, so at this point, it's kind of a joke. It's just a joke. It's, it's, it's like, I can't even be disgusted anymore. It's just kind of, it's just funny to me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> are you liking what you're hearing? Check out the Total Archives wherever you find your podcasts. And please, Remember to subscribe so you don't miss a minute. And while you're there, help John out by giving him a rating and a review. Hello, I'm Jesse Sage from Peep Show Media. Peep Show Media is a multimedia magazine bringing news and stories from the sex industry. Be sure to check out our website at peepshowmedia.com for essays, porn reviews, events, interviews, news stories, and more. Also, make sure to listen to our podcast, The Peep Show Podcast, anywhere you get podcasts. And for a bit more of a personal glance into my life, make sure to check out my January 15th interview on what women and other wonderful humans want. Hi. This is Jane Boone, the author of the novel Edge Play. It's a revenge fantasy where the big short meets Fifty Shades of Grey. Only the women wield the whips and the billionaires submit. You can find it at Amazon in paperback or for your Kindle. And be sure to check out my episode with Tara Indiana right here on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Thank you. I feel nervous talking to you. Oh, good. And that brings joy to you. Oh, it does. It pleases me immensely. The Baroness, April 20th on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Annie Cruz is a talk radio host on Sirius XM 415. And if our listeners have not heard your show, give us kind of a Reader's Digest version of what the show is all about. <laughs> a Reader's Digest. Well, I'm showing uh... my age, Annie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. I remember readers. I just, um, so essentially my show chronicles my real life sex adventures, but, um, I've been doing, I've been doing my show for eight years now, over eight years. So it's kind of evolved over the years as well, as far as like content goes in the beginning. Um, I kind of would just go in there and share a sexy story uh, a personal story. And then I would kind of take a topic from that story and just kind of have an open discussion with people calling in to contribute to this story. You know what I mean? Kind of the same deal now, um, except I've kind of tried to expand on just the sex aspect of everything that I already talk about on my show by kind of including, you know, um, topics on dating and relationships as well. I used to work as a dating coach very, very briefly, but I felt like, um, I get so many questions from people that's not just sex related. It's all, you know, like about relationships and, and stuff like that. So um, what people can, can expect from listening to my show is basically just me having no judgments whatsoever. I don't judge on my show at all. Like I said, I'm a weirdo. So if you think you're a weirdo, you're not, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but uh, that's basically what you can expect from listening to my show is just me talking about sex, giving sex advice as well as um, dating and relationship advice. At what point do you think we reached a point where we're comfortable talking about sex or have we not reached that point yet? 
That's a very good question because I honestly feel like um, we're, we're all not, as much as people want to believe that sex is, you know, an accept, acceptable topic to talk about, it's not as taboo or whatever. I personally still feel like it's, it kind of is still. There's a, sig- a stigma surrounding just the idea of sex, not just, you know, like, not just talking about it. Like just the idea of sex is so taboo to a lot of people, even though it sounds silly to say that, but whenever you openly talk about something sexual, you know, around someone or, or in a discussion with a bunch of people, and then it, all it takes is one or two people to just be like, did you just say what I think you said? Mm. Gosh, like that's inappropriate conversation talk. You know what I mean? And, um, and I feel like, uh, you know, like there's that. And then of course there's also social media, like, um, God forbid a woman, me, you know, openly express herself in a sexual manner by discussing, you know, topics within the branches of sex, right? Cause there's so much more to sex than just sex, right? Mm-hmm. There's all the different things, fetishes, uh, you know, kinks, all, all the different things. And, um, I feel like, uh, I, I feel like people are not comfortable yet. They're not, we're in 2021 and it, it seems more and more every day that people are so sensitive to a lot of stuff that sex is still going to be one of those things that people are afraid to talk about, you know? And I know this too, because a lot of the emails that I do get from listeners to my show are a lot of people that are scared to talk about sex. So that alone just makes me feel like we're all, everyone's just not comfortable yet, you know? As we tape this podcast, because this will air probably a month or two after we tape it, you and I just got finished watching two men in an exploding barbed wire ring, (laughs) getting cuts all over their body to the point where we're talking real blood here. Yes, the explosions may not have been big, but two people inciting major violence on each other yes (laughs) that can be all over the internet without one bit of a problem but if you wear a latex cat suit suddenly that's taboo exactly where where did we go wrong here that's that's the problem you know because i actually had a similar conversation with someone else before talking about like um the the things that you see in uh, in films, for example, or TV, right? Like we see violence and, and all sorts of of sad things like that in news media, right? And you see it in movies and stuff like that. But then when people want to um, blame, you know, like school shootings on pornography, you're like, what? What? Where is the logic behind that? <laughs> like that in video games, you know what I mean? I actually had this this conversation in another interview where um, where people, you know, there are people that are legitimately blaming um, school shootings on uh, video games and pornography. And I thought it was very interesting that pornography was listed listed on that because I was like, why? And then similar to what we were just talking about earlier about sex being taboo, it's that there is a stigma behind it. Like people are so ashamed of sex, whether people want to believe it or not, people are ashamed of sex. Like I said, you know, like, oh, I can't believe you just said what you just said. Did you mm-hmm. really say that? Um, it's easier to put the blame on something that you detest, right? 
because let's face it, people detest not just sex, but everything that surrounds it, right? So if you're kinky or into certain fetishes or whatever, people look at you like you're a weirdo or people look at you like there's something wrong with you. You know what I mean? And that's wrong. It's like you see, again, violence on TV, not even just a movie, you know, mm -hmm. guys beating each other up, covered in blood. You're like, oh, this is real. <laughs> um, we're not gonna talk about the explosions, but you know, the blood and the, and all that stuff that's on TV. Well, it was a pay-per-view, but regardless, you know, you can still see it right. and you see that kind of stuff in movies, horror films, even I'm mm -hmm. surprised. I'm a huge horror fanatic. I love horror films. And, and given all of these different things that people like to put the blame on, you know, I'm like, how are you not blaming horror films? I'm not saying to blame horror films, but I'm saying it's interesting that you're going to put the blame on pornography or video games because video games are so violent. And I also play video games as well. Um, but like throwing pornography in there, in there just because it's sex. Mm -hmm. um, I'm surprised no one has pointed a finger at, you know, horror movies, Never mind the violence in, in movies that we already see, but there's also horror films, you know, serial killers killing people. Like, are we gonna, are we just gonna like start banning horror films now because we're afraid that people are gonna, you know, copycat what they see in the movies. No one ever says that though. No one ever says that. It's easier for them to be like, oh, just let's just blame porn. Let's just blame pornography because it's wrong. You know what I mean? So it's mm. like, it's, 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 I think it's just an easy scapegoat for people. Um, and it's unfortunate that people have that way of thinking because I'm constantly having to explain to people that are, you know, I don't know, I don't want to say close-minded, but they are being close-minded, <laughs> you know, and kind of educating them on, um, why that thinking is wrong. Because it's like, if you ask someone who, who, for example, says, oh, let's blame pornography on the school shootings, right? If you ask them why, they can't tell you why. Why? Why are we blaming pornography? It's just, it's just sex. Like, what, what is it about? Is there a, a like a, a very violent uh, snuff film that I'm unaware of that, you know, is the reason why people are blaming pornography on school shootings? I don't know, mm -hmm. but it's wrong. And, um, and that's the kind of society that we're living in in 2021. <laughs> I can't like stress that enough. It's, it's awful. It's pretty amazing the different things that you do from hosting the show on Sirius XM to hosting a wrestling podcast to being a Twitch gamer. Could you have imagined even five years ago that you could become this one person media brand that you are? Five years ago, probably not. I mean, as a child, I was so, I dreamt a lot when I was a kid. And mind you, like I said in, earlier in the show, um, you know, I grew up very shy. So of course I had all these dreams and aspirations that I, I legit, legitimately thought as a child, it's never gonna happen because they're just dreams, right? Mm -hmm. But I, you know, like when I, when I said that I fell into porn on accident, you know, one of the things that I wanted to do as a child was be an actress. I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna become an actress. And you know, I wanna, I wanna be a singer. I wanna, I wanted to work in entertainment, even though I was shy, I was, I had these, you know, what kid doesn't dream about, you know, being a famous star in a movie or something, you know what I mean? And, um, and uh, when I fell into porn, um, and I, and I've had, I've had, uh, 
I've been lucky with a lot of the things that I've gotten from being in the industry as well. Cause you know, there's a couple of mainstream stuff that I've, I've had the pleasure of doing. There's a couple of indie films that I've done. There was one that premiered at the Sundance film festival, uh, two years ago. There's all these different, um, things that I I'm very grateful for that, uh, that I, whether it was from being in the business or just pure luck or whatever. But the point being, if you asked me this five years ago, I'd be like, no way. Because, you know, while I did try to think of an end game for myself, um, I, five years ago, I know exactly what, where I was at five years ago, five years ago, I was thinking, is it too late for me to go back to school? Hmm. Cause five years ago I had contemplated going back to school. Cause I was like, okay, you know, I'm at that point. I'm, um, uh, you know, I'm past the, the age that I wanted to quit. Uh, you know, I'm going to be 32. Um, you know, is it too late for me? Five years ago, I, I I was kind of going down instead of up, just thinking, you know, like, oh, it's too late for me. Like, by the time I'm done, I'm going to be this age and, da, 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 and thinking of all these negative things. And then I kind of chickened out and I was like, ah, forget it. And then um, and then actually, this was six years, years ago. I'm sorry. Six years ago is when I thought I was going to I was going to go back to school. But then a year later, so that was five years ago. I, um, I ended up actually uh, taking initiative and decided I'm going to try and get a job somewhere and see, you know, like where this takes me or whatever. I um, ended up for three years, ended up basically essentially managing an, an entire nightclub in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. I started at the bottom. I worked my way up. I started working in the office. Um, I became the marketing director. I worked in marketing for three years for the company. And then I started running their, um, their special helped run their special events. So like the Marvel films, when they would premiere, cause it was in Hollywood would premiere at the theater downstairs. They would have the after party at my, at my venue. Nice. So I've like, I've met Ant-Man, man. You know what I'm saying? Like it was, it was pretty cool gig, but, um, it was in that experience where I realized I can, I can do anything, man. Because the one thing that stopped me six years ago was not just, am I too old to go to college? But it was also having this negative idea in my head that no one's going to want you because of your past, right? Mm. And I've noticed this is kind of a, an issue for a lot of other people in the business, whether they're already out or in it, you know what I mean? A lot of a lot of girls, they don't know, they don't have an end game and they don't know what they're gonna do or they have left. I have girlfriends that have long retired from the business that have kids, have families, but one of them specifically, um, she had a problem. She went to nursing school, she became an EMT, went to nursing school and um, she got outed by someone that mm. recognized her and tried to ruin her life, which I thought was very, very sad because it's like, she's not even active in the industry, leave her alone. <laughs> and even if she was active in the industry, leave her alone. But the point being, they were trying to ostracize her from the community and crucify her just because, you know, she has porn as her history. So that was something that was definitely um, lingering in the back of my mind, you know, six years ago where I was just kind of like, you know, what if someone won't hire me because, you know, X, Y, Z, what if someone finds out and da, 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 you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, and I, a good example is I lost an audition in Hollywood because someone had, uh, one of the casting directors recognized me. Now I can't, I can't say for sure, but when you put two and two together, I had, I had gotten a call back, landed the gig as far as them even trying to plot out, like when we were going to start filming only to get a weird text from someone that, 
claimed they were a casting director that was not present for my audition who had seen my headshot and I guess recognized me or something. And um, and then told me, I think we've met before, you know, was your agent so-and-so and da 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 And then next thing I know, two days later, they pull me from the project. So I was just kind of like, hmm, was he the reason why I lost that gig? Cause that kind of sucks. So it's always been something, you know, never mind doing film or TV or whatever in, in mainstream Hollywood to get a job and knowing having friends that have experienced issues, that was something that really, really kind of held me back. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, here we are six, six years later, since I felt these things, you know, I, I worked as a marketing director, um, head of events, and then essentially the manager who ran the nightclub before it closed down, um, for three years, I think in that experience, I realized I can, I can probably do anything. And, um, and I started kind of pursuing other venues. I started streaming on Twitch because I, I love talking to people mm -hmm. <laughs> and I love playing video games. So the two and, you know, two kind of go hand in hand and it was, it was a lot of fun for me. And I've been doing that for over a year now. Um, and, uh, and then now I'm back in school. So I kind of got over that hump that I was in where I really felt like I'm never going to be able to do anything. I kind of got over that. And now I'm at a point in my life where I'm a, a lot more positive mm -hmm. <laughs> in that regard. And, um, but yeah, so to answer, I, I know I kind of dragged out that answer to your question, but yeah, to answer your question, if I would, if you would have asked me that six years ago, I would have been like, no way in hell. Um, and I, I'm, I'm actually happy that I don't feel the way that I did back then. Let me tell you why I can identify with you so much. And it's about something that you and I both love. When Go I on. was doing wrestling, and I would say Batman, we both love Batman, but that would take <laughs> into a tangent that would take us for the rest of the night to go. But when I was doing pro wrestling on television. That's amazing, by the way. I'm so jealous. <laughs> I got a job doing indoor lacrosse on a national cable network. Wow. And the co-announcer said, yeah, but you're a wrestling announcer. <gasps> wrestling was considered sports version of porn. Yeah, because it's the whole, we never want to say the F word around pro wrestling. And I mean, like that kind of, that's kind of a part of it, right? You know, like, mm -hmm. oh, it's, it's entertainment, sports entertainment, as opposed to sports, right? Oh my God. So I can understand why you will go for mainstream parts and then suddenly somebody says something because right. they would be ashamed to work with somebody who did wrestling or in your case, who did porn. But the fact is, talent wills out you have found ways to express yourself in ways that it doesn't matter what you used to do right in my particular case this podcast came about because my television career ended because of covid not necessarily oh, right. anything mm -hmm. i did but because of right. covid so what do i do i take my talents and try to use it to tell the stories of people not only how they connect with each other but how they connect with their authentic selves. So I was kind of curious, you have this love for wrestling as well. And here is where I will tell you that Scott Hudson of Women's Extreme Wrestling wanted me to say hello to you. Oh my God! <laughs> 
Oh my God, that is a throwback. Now, Scott obviously was the voice of world championship wrestling along with Tony Schiavone. Yeah. But he also did what was women's extreme wrestling, but then repackaged as women's erotic wrestling. And there seemed to be this, this up and comer named Annie Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> How funny. Oh man, I had a lot. I, I almost, I, I didn't forget. I, I, I don't even know why I didn't even mention that earlier when we were talking about wrestling rings. Cause that was like the first time I set foot in like a real mm -hmm. wrestling ring a real wrestling ring. I don't even know why it didn't even, that didn't even click in my head because if you want to talk about real wrestling, not real wrestling, <laughs> it was, it was for W E W or W yeah. W E W that was man. That was 2010, 2009 or 10 time ago. It was a long time ago. Oh my God. That was so fun. Please tell him I said, hi, <laughs> I will do that. And here's what he said that really caught my attention. Okay. She is so smart. You will have a wonderful time talking to her because she's got so much on the ball and she is so smart. When he said that, he did. And Scott's the kind of guy who's very genuine in his compliments. He just doesn't throw them out just for the heck of it. People have a perception of people in the sex industry. Mm hmm but they're not very smart from time to time. Yeah. How did you overcome that perception? I think with putting myself out there, um, you know, like for example, my radio show, um, the podcast interviews that I have done, um, just putting myself out there, uh, like on social media, you know what I mean? Showing a side of myself that people are not accustomed to seeing. A lot of people would, compliment me they would be like wow you're actually really smart <laughs> i mean like it's kind of like a backhanded compliment because they're like mm -hmm. oh you're actually kind of smart but i think that's when people started to realize that um you know oh wow okay she's not dumb actually i'll tell you right now the first experience that i ever had an eye-opening experience where not for me but the people listening i was asked to to give a lecture at a sociology class out at university of nevada las vegas mm. um the topic that they were they were had been discussing um that week or whatever was deviant lifestyles so they came they asked me to come in and for 90 minutes i had like a whole outline set up i came in i talked i said my piece i explained you know my how i got into the business you know what i currently do in the business because you know being in the business i did i was kind of a, I did everything <laughs> you know mm -hmm. what i mean it wasn't just the vanilla stuff. I did kink stuff. I did fetish stuff. I, you know what I mean? I did, I did the whole shebang when I was in the business. So I, I sat here, I stood there for 90 minutes talking to this class. And when the class was over, I answered questions. And then when the class was over, over, like they, they had to leave, I had a bunch of the 18 year old, 19 year old girls approach me. And, and one of them said, this is really what really got to me. She said to me, um, you know, when our professor told us that a porn star was coming in to talk, I I'm not going to lie. I literally thought, oh, great. We're going to have some whore come in here to talk to us. She said this to me, mm -hmm. some whore is going to come in here and talk to us. She's like, but after listening to you speak, you have opened my mind. And now I have a respect for women in the industry. You're really smart, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, oh my God, you know, like, cause it's like, people are very judgmental, right? 
but who even more so than men? Because men watch porn, right? You know, mm -hmm. uh, not not it's not a sexist thing to say. You know, the majority, the demographics, there are women that watch porn too. But when when there are people that um, that want to be judgmental, more often than not, it's usually women, right? Like I can't believe she does porn. You know what I mean? So to have these young girls that are barely out of high school approaching me and telling me, you know, like, wow, I'm actually really glad that you came in because I wasn't expecting much is essentially what they were saying. Wasn't expecting much, but after you actually, you spoke, because I spoke for 90 minutes, they were like, um, you know, I, I have a lot of respect and stuff like that. And I, I felt like I had done something that day. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? Like letting people understand, like, you know, not all, because one of the things that I had touched on was, you know, breaking the stigma and the stereotypes that people have of women in the industry. The, the, the you know, most common stereotypes is that we're dumb. We're not educated. This is all we know. This is all we can do. Um, uh, what else? Uh, there, there's so much more, but I have, I know some women, Tara Patrick being one of them, shout out to Tara Patrick. There are some women in the business who actually went to college. I mean, I did two years of college before I, I had dropped out to continue my, um, my career in entertainment. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of women that actually have their degrees, whether people want to believe it or not, there are girls that have their degrees, but they chose to do porn because they realized it was something that they actually love. Again, God forbid a woman actually like to have sex. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's, it's, it's still so, a lot of people still can't grasp that concept, you know, that there are mm -hmm. women that actually enjoy having sex and they enjoy doing it and that it's okay to sexually express yourself, whether it's in a movie or whatever. And, um, and so of course, you know, that's the most common stereotypes that people make of us is that, oh, well, you must not, not be able to do anything else if this is what you're doing with your life. You know what I mean? So it's unfortunate that there are people that feel that way, but I feel like, I think when I did that, that lecture at, in that class, that really made me feel good about myself in allowing people to understand that like, no, you know, like a lot of us are smart. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting point that next Tuesday on this show, we will have a professional dominatrix from Los mm. Angeles. Ooh. who is also a college professor who has a PhD. <gasps> That's amazing. That is amazing. And the article came out in the Chronicle of Higher Education about this woman who is a extremely intelligent woman who was a great teacher. And when she told her mentor that she did professional dominatrix work the mm -hmm. woman withdrew her letter of recommendation for her and it actually ended up as an article in the chronicle of higher education and receive she received a lot of support for it in that uh -huh. wait a minute you aren't what you do at night you are what you're able to give to other people absolutely that's such a huge misperception when it comes to people who genuinely give of themselves and do good things for good people, it doesn't matter what we do in the privacy of our own rooms. As right. As we're not hurting anybody. Exactly. That's the number one thing too. It's like, we're not hurting anybody. Are we hurting you? Like, are we hurting you? Well, like what's going on here? And it's like, when people say no, okay, then so why do you care so strongly about why women have chosen to do the things that they want to do, you know? 
And that, I think, I think that's important to note. And I really, I, I think that's crazy that, that that woman withdrew her thing, but power to her. And she's obviously a very smart woman. She has her PhD. She has her PhD. And yes. she's a professor, right? She's yes, she is. Man, things that I aspire to be. <laughs> Man, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, Mr. Snow will be on the show next Tuesday and looking forward to hosting them. Do you want to leave us a comment, thought, or have something to contribute to the show? You can now call or text us at the 3W hotline at 513-788-2527. That's 513-788-2527. Or drop us an email at john, J-O-N, at datingkinky.com. That's john, J-O-N, at datingkinky.com. We can't wait to hear from you. Realizing that you're polyamorous can be a wonderful insight. The Polyamory Dating Guide is a book about finding other people who share your view of polyamory and want to share it with you. This book includes a variety of sections on poly-specific dating, such as navigating online dating with a review of poly-specific dating sites and how to make a profile that works, real-time dating tips that will tell you where to find polyam people and how to make a positive impression, how to date as an existing couple, and if you should, dating as an introvert, queer in dating, and lots more. Get your copy at polyamorydatingguide.com. Do you want to hear episodes way before their release date, commercial-free and with an exclusive and always interesting five more minutes? Then support the show at patreon.com slash whatwomenwantpodcast. And you can be a part of an actual upcoming show. We sure do thank you for your support. And now, back to this episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Annie, being on Sirius XM 415, you have a lot of guys that will call you. And I'm wondering how you are able to gain respect through their phone calls, especially when many of them may be coming through the phone line wanting to be coming in a different way, if you don't <laughs> mind me saying it that way. How do you connect with people to where they don't see you as just the object that many might see you as? It's it's very interesting that you a you're asking me this because more most recently I actually tweeted something about how, you know, like stop dehumanizing current and former, you know, sex workers. Like let's let's normalize being respectful to respectful and kind to women. That that's the tweet. That that's exactly the tweet right there. Um because the problem that I've had, you know, even being having been retired for for 5 years now is that um a lot of people are very, very quick to dehumanize me as well as other women in the industry. Um, and what I mean by that is, is it's difficult because it's like people think they know us because they've seen us in the most intimate way, right? And I don't know what it is that makes them feel compelled to speak to us in a certain way. That's just, it goes beyond disrespect. Like some mm -hmm. of the things that I have received, I'm just like, what makes you think that's okay to say to me? <laughs> like, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, so when I, when I, when I do get phone calls, it's interesting because, um, for the, the most part, people that do call into my show are very, very respectful. I have a, you know, my producer screens my calls before they come in. Occasionally I'll get like, you know, a couple of bad apples that'll come in, come in hot. 
and like get upset if I don't do something that they don't, you know, like that they want. I actually had to hang up on someone once because, and it wasn't even anything about getting him off. It was literally, we were having a conversation and the conversation was over at that point. So I, I was bidding him goodbye and he just snapped on me. He went from like, happy go lucky, like, oh, Annie, you're great. And then like, I said my piece, he said his piece. And then I said, all right, well, thanks so much. This is exactly how it went. I said, thanks so much for calling in. And he's like, wait, I'm not done yet. And I was just like, whoa, <laughs> like, that just took a turn. And it wasn't even that I said anything like insulting. Like I literally, I thought the conversation was over and I guess he didn't like that I was letting him go. Mm. Like, I think he wanted to stay on the phone with me. And so then his anger just kind of came out and I was just like, okay, all right. And I think at that point, that was the only instance that I've had, um, maybe second instance where someone on the phone acted kind of weird and disrespectful towards mm -hmm. me to where I actually said something about it. <laughs> Can't remember what I said. I just remembered being really irritated that he had done that. And I was like, okay, you're being rude. And I hung up on him because normally I like to keep the professionalism because it's live. So usually when someone's being out of line, I'm just like, I'll hang up. I probably shouldn't say this on the podcast, but whatever. I'll hang up on them and pretend like I lost the call. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. oh, I think I just lost you. I'm so, so sorry. Because, you know, I want to keep it fun and professional. Mm -hmm. I don't want to like be a jackass, but that guy just kind of went over the line with me. And I was just like, I can't remember what I said, but I said something to him and I just hung up on him. But um, more often than not, people are usually pretty respectful. And I don't, I don't ever, I know there's a lot of hosts on Vivid that'll like get guys off on the air. That's kind of their shtick. That's kind of what they do. Um, and as I said, my show has evolved over the years. Like in the beginning, I would kind of play around with that in, in a more dominant sense where I would be like, you're not allowed to do it unless I tell you to type of oh. kind of scenario. <laughs> and I would count, count down from five, you have five seconds or else I'm hanging up on you type of attitude, you know? And, um, and it was fun, but now, now that I've kind of taken a more educational route, I guess, mm -hmm. with my show, cause it's, like I said, it's changed so much over the years. Um, I think a lot of people, I, I haven't, I can't remember the last time I had a call where someone was expecting that, to be mm. honest. I think people like to just call in now and contribute to the conversation. And, um, and yeah, it's been so long since anybody, cause usually, Back in the day, when people would call in, they would straight up already be doing stuff on the phone. I'd take their <laughs> call and I'm like, they'd be breathing heavy into the phone. And I'm just like, are you there? <laughs> and I'm like, ah, I see what's happening here. Um, but but lately, it's I can't remember the last time somebody ever called in for that. But, um, but you know, I, I try to. I try to not be an asshole when someone's being an mm. asshole to me. I try to take the higher ground. But in the case of that gentleman that I was just speaking of, because that happened not too long ago. That's why it's so fresh in my mind. Because I was like, how dare you? And I just hung up on him. But and he still calls my show, which is funny. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how why that is. But but um, it's difficult as far as like, try. this is something that I'm always going to forever have to deal with for as long as I am in in the public eye is Annie Cruz, I guess, right? I'm always gonna deal with that one person that feels like they can talk to me a certain way. I can't tell you how many times I've blocked people. I'll I'll, I'll post something that has nothing to do with anything. Like I'll post a picture of my dog and someone will find a way to comment about how, oh, people will only treat you because of who you are, you know? Like, you know, like out of context, like I literally have had people post comments like this unsolicited and like completely out of context with things that I personally post. Like that has really happened. Literally a picture of my dog. And then someone just comes in and says, you know, 
people will never look past the fact that you're a whore. Like, oh, well, thank you, (laughs) you know? So it's just interesting, you you know, like you get the trolls, right? That clearly are just trolling because they want to get a rise out of you and I never feed the trolls. But then you also get the people when you when you look at their feeds or the way they are socially, um, it's interesting because it's like, it makes me want to ask them like, who hurt you? Because the way they speak to not just me, but to other women, because I see the way they speak to other women. I'm like, who raised you? Like, why do you talk to, to any woman the way that you speak to them? And you know, the, the, what warranted that tweet that I had tweeted out about like, you know, stop dehumanizing former and current sex workers. Let's, let's normalize being kind and respectful to women. What warranted that tweet was um, someone literally tweeted me exactly what I had just said. He said, no offense. He started it with no offense. Of course. He started, he started his post with no offense, no offense, but, uh, people are going to treat you like what you are. And I'm like, what does that even mean? (laughs) Like, you know, and then I blocked him. I didn't even respond. I blocked him. And then I tweeted what I tweeted because it's so tiring. Like Mm -hmm. it's such an old jab if you want to even call it that whether you're a troll or if you're someone that genuinely feels that way about us women you need help <laughs> like because there's it's just it's so it's just so disheartening that people have that way of thinking and there's only so much one can do there's only so much i can do you know to try and spread the positivity and educate people and correct them on their you know on on their shitty attitudes um, but you can't, you can't really change people unless they're willing to change. So it's one of those things where I just utilize that block button. The ongoing joke is, you know, my block list is bigger than your dick. <laughs> Cause that thing is long, baby. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's, it sucks, but it, it goes with the territory of, you know, what I do. And, and, and people always ask me if like, uh, you know, if I, if I have any regrets and I really don't, I regret nothing. Um, you know, I, I had the support. I am lucky that I had the support of my fa- have, excuse me, the support of my family. They all are aware of what I used to do for a living. I had their full support. They still love me, <laughs> you know. Um, and that's another stereotype too, is that you know, like all of us must be disowned by our families and whatnot. Um, and uh, and I, I, I don't know. I, I it's like I, I don't regret anything. I, I know that I'm going to come across this type of behavior no matter what. And it's just one of those things that I just have to roll off the feathers, man. Just let it roll off the feathers and just move on with my day. Cause it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. You know? And that's something that I've actually grown to learn over the last few years, because, you know, 10 years ago, you know, if someone said something nasty to me, I'd, I'd feel compelled to defend myself or something, you know what I mean? And now I'm at a point where I'm like, I know the truth. You're just a piece of shit. So you don't matter. I'm just going to squash you with my shoe now and then move on. <laughs> Let's talk about all the things that you are. And this is my opportunity to uh, allow you to plug away in whatever you'd like to talk about and have our listeners be able to follow you in whatever way you'd like them to. Well, um, if we're doing plugs, I definitely, uh, I think the best way to get to know me or hang out with me or chat with me is to follow me on Twitch. Now talking about separating, you know, my lives, right? I actually use Twitch. I used to go under Annie Cruz on Twitch, but then I changed the name 
I'm using my real name on there. So I'm Miss Frankie Ray on Twitch. So it's twitch.tv forward slash Miss Frankie, F-R-A-N-K-I-E-R-A-E. Or you can, I made it easier for people. Just go to actwitch.com. actwitch.com will directly link you to my Twitch channel. I play video games. I chat. I also play with subscribers. So if you're a sub, I know when I said that one time, people were like subs, huh? <laughs> if you're a sub to my channel, I do play with subs. <laughs> um, uh, also, uh, what else? Um, find me on social media, I guess, at any fucking cruise on Twitter, at any cruise on Instagram. I do have a cosplay Instagram. I like to build my own um, cosplay props and uh, dress up as my favorite characters. Batman is my favorite. <laughs> you can find my my all of that on my, my main Instagram, but it's Miss Frankie Ray, M-S-F-R-A-N-K-I-E-R-A-E. I'm actually working on a website dedicated to all my cosplay stuff. So that'll be in the works. Um, you can find me at anniecruz.com for all of my, my complete resume of stuff that I've worked on um, outside of adult. And uh, of course, check out my radio show on vividradio.com, Sirius XM channel 415. Uh, I'm on there live every Monday, 4 p.m. East Coast time, 1 p.m. West Coast time. And I think... I think that's it. <laughs> that's a very, very busy person. And we thank you for taking the time to join us here on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I love talking over life with Annie. Her personality is so infectious and her stories so vivid, which just happens to be the moniker for her Sirius XM station, Channel 415. But that's for a much different reason. I have a hunch we'll be seeing more of her very soon. And that will do it for this edition. Next Tuesday, it's the good doctor, Mistress Snow, who is a professor by day and a pro-dom by night. An incredible true story next week. And still to come in awesome April, it's former pro wrestler, April Hunter, the latex baroness, Showtime's own Sunny Megatron, the host of The Basic Witches, and a fantastic dom who's also a matchmaker, the Shamanatrix. I am John, happy to also be known as Hi There Katsu, thanking you for being with us and reminding you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. To support the show, visit patreon.com slash whatwomenwantpodcast. Leave us a message at 513-788-2527. And we invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. We're kinky done differently. 